Welcome to Thriller Premium. Welcome to Thriller Premium. In-depth coverage and timely analysis of macro and micro happenings in crypto and Bitcoin. Welcome to Thriller Insider. gentlemen boys and girls around the world gather around it's time for another exciting episode of thriller insider today is march 7 2021 and we are talking the satoshi standard that's right i'm glad you're actually listening to this episode because we have a special one today this one is going to be talking about satoshis this is going to be a primer episode on how to view a satoshi going forward and quite frankly we have a lot of new people coming into the space and a lot of people have been asking me, not only in the comments, not only through DMs, not only through emails or friends or family, a lot of people just want to know how to get into Bitcoin and, and how to do just the basic stuff, right? And I feel like I, I do my best to explain this stuff. And I think it's just easier just to create a podcast that we could just point them to and they can go and listen to it. So this episode is for that. It's, a, uh, it's kind of a primer episode for that. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's actually really going to be informative, right? Because what we do here on Thriller Premium is we give everybody the most in-depth research, on-time analysis, and really try to do our best to curate the best information when it comes to keeping you ahead of all your crypto and Bitcoin investments. That's what we try to do, right? We want to make sure that you guys have all the upfront information that you need to know and this is a part of it. Knowing how Satoshis work and why they're important is one of the main things that's going to be going up ahead as we move into this 100K Bitcoin later this year. So if you don't know what a Satoshi is, I'm here to explain that today. And it's very simple. And we're going to start off with the basics, right? Everybody knows that a Bitcoin right now is currently worth probably around 50K, right? Depending on when you're hearing this podcast. But at the time of this podcast, it's worth roughly around 50K per Bitcoin. And so when people are out there buying Dogecoin <laughs> or some other cryptocurrency, I scratch my head and wonder, why? Why are you doing that? It, it, it makes no sense. You should be buying Satoshis. And you're probably wondering, well, Car, what is a Satoshi? Well... Thank you for asking. <laughs> a Satoshi is the smallest Bitcoin unit. Well, what is a Bitcoin unit, you might ask? Well, a Bitcoin unit is a decimal place inside a Bitcoin. That's right. A Bitcoin actually divides itself into eight decimal spots. Yeah, it's really cool. It's math. <laughs> and so, believe it or not, we have dubbed this a Satoshi. So one Bitcoin is actually worth 100 million Satoshis. Yeah, it's really cool. So when you're when you're out there buying Dogecoin for pennies that are going to inflate away and never going to bring you any value. <laughs> really, I'm telling you this. Stop buying Dogecoin. Uh, 
you could be buying Satoshis. Yeah, that's right. You could be buying Satoshis. And, and why? Because if you, if you actually go to the newsletter on this specific podcast, one of the finest Bitcoiners out there in the Bitcoin space uh, by the name of Marty Bent, he created this website called uh, Sat Cent Parody. And I'll put a link in the show notes. But if you go to this website, it shows you how much Satoshis you can get per cent. And right now you can actually get, you know, one cent equals 19 Satoshis. That's right. So you can get 19 Satoshis for one penny. Or you can get one dollar for 1974 Satoshis. Pretty cool. I know. This is why you shouldn't be buying any other cryptocurrency other than Bitcoin right now, especially if you're just starting. Right. I think one of the biggest problems when people come into this space, they're like, well, I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to get I want to get a whole coin. I don't want I don't want to pay 50K. I can't afford a full Bitcoin. So they see these dot zero 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 and they're like, I, I can't afford a full Bitcoin. So why am I going to buy a Bitcoin? So I'm going to buy a Dogecoin because it's only a penny. No, buy Satoshis. Right. You can be buying Satoshis. It's just a smaller Bitcoin unit. And you're probably wondering, well, why would I be buying Satoshi's car? You know, why would I buy these? Why would I buy these small, smallest unit of a Bitcoin? I'm going to explain that later in the episode. (laughs) So keep listening. Right now, we're just talking about how these Satoshis work. Okay. Okay. So now that we know what a Satoshi is, right? It's a smallest Bitcoin unit, right? So now we have to understand why there are only 21 million Bitcoins. Wait, you didn't know that? Yes, Bitcoin is a hard currency. There's only ever going to be 21 million of these. That's right. This is why Bitcoin is the hardest currency known to man. Seriously. I mean, it's, it's, it's the best currency that you can possibly get right now in your lifetime. <laughs> and if you don't believe me, we have done the research. We have created an audiobook. So you can go to Bitcoin audiobook.com. If you go there, there's a full audiobook on Bitcoin to learn all about it. It's like four or five hours and you can learn all about it. I narrate the whole thing and it teaches you exactly what Bitcoin is. It starts about the white paper. It tells you, you know, everything about the social contract. It really goes in depth and tells you why Bitcoin has value. Um, it goes through the whole list, right? Um, it tells you how Bitcoin became money, talks about the stock to flow ratio. It, it, it goes into the protocol itself. Uh, we go really in depth at bitcoinaudiobook.com and it's free. We give it away for free. Um, we really are trying to do our best to get everybody educated here. And um, you can actually even look out on like, Google or even podcasts that are out there. And one of the greatest resources is YouTube, right? And I would stick to somebody like Andreas Antonopoulos, who has an enormous uh, YouTube channel with all sorts of different guides and materials and tutorials on all sorts of stuff about Bitcoin and learning about it. But if you if you want something compact, easy to understand, you know, and you want the narration of me, <laughs> then go to bitcoinaudiobook.com. There's no shilling. There's no ads. It's all ad-free. 
And it's, I think it's, I think it came out pretty good. People like it. People download it and share it with your friends. So bitcoinaudiobook.com. There you can learn all about Bitcoin if you really want to dive into the technical stuff and learn more about it. Okay. So now that we know what a Satoshi is, right? Smallest Bitcoin unit. And now that we know what a Bitcoin is, because if you want to know more about it, bitcoinaudiobook.com. Now we need to understand what money is, right? And if you actually go to bitcoinaudiobook.com, we have our great friend, Richard James. He actually put together a 34-minute documentary talking about hard money. And it teaches you why Bitcoin is the future. Seriously. And he talks about the dollar and how it's inflating. And it's 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 a well-put-together documentary. And it's right there at BitcoinAudiobook.com. So I would probably watch a 34-minute documentary on hard money understand what money is and then listen to the to the whole audiobook it's like 3 hours long easy peasy i know i'm making it easy for you <laughs> seriously it, it can't get any easier than this right now i want you to listen to somebody by the name of andreas antonopoulos he talks to uh somebody who's very young in age and he's asking the question as to why we are moving over into Bitcoin and why should we care? This is a question that I always get all the time, right? When talking with friends or family, why do I care, Car? Why should I be buying Bitcoin? What's the point? I already have a bank. Um, why do I care? Why do I need to pay attention to this? Why is it important? Well, Andreas explains this. Take a listen. like in your view with without this the banking systems we have now i mean everybody is so used to this is what we've always had is money backed by gold um and a dollar two dollars three dollars no one's ever thought of things in terms of value in any other way how would the country or the world look without banks and only bitcoin what would be the biggest differences 
Well, so money has gone through um, five ma major revolutions um, since the beginning. If you start with early uh, debt records from the Sumerians to um, shells and feathers and beads to um, precious metal um, uh, nuggets and then pressed into coins and then paper money and certificates of deposit and then eventually kind of plastic credit card stuff. Um, Surprisingly, a lot of people in 2020 think that money is backed by gold. Uh, I, I just heard you say that our money is not backed by gold, hasn't been backed by gold since um, 1971. Uh, in fact, really since uh, the uh, early 1900s. There is no gold backing any of the national currencies anymore. Isn't it uh, so backed by oil now? Well, it, it, it indirectly, the U.S. dollar is backed by oil only because there's this kind of deal with the Saudis. You know, we bomb your enemies and protect your dictatorship. And in return, you only sell oil to other countries if they pay with dollars. Um, but that's just the dollar. All the other countries, and, and in general, money is backed by economic use. If there's an economy that uses this currency, then that creates the expectation that if you have a unit of the currency, then tomorrow you can use it to buy something useful like eggs. That basis is the basis of money. It's utility. Uh, I expect this will still be useful tomorrow because it was useful today and useful yesterday. That illusion doesn't always work. Uh, countries run into problems when that illusion is broken because the money doesn't actually buy as many eggs as you wanted huge inflation, crisis, collapse of government, et cetera. But for the most part, that's what money is backed by, uh, basically a social agreement and habit. So can it change again? Well, first of all, I don't think we're going to see a world where magically everything's going to get replaced by Bitcoin. I think what we're going to see is a world where we had 194 currencies, each identified by a flag, or a queen, um, to a world where there are thousands of currencies, 90% um, of them existing only in digital form, um, freely exchangeable and usable on the internet, a, a kind of um, mess, uh, a, a kind of messy democratization of finance where everybody can kind of choose to use whatever's convenient at the moment. Um, and with software, we're going to hide a lot of the nasty details so that Maybe your software changes from one money to another without you really noticing so that it's not as confusing. I think that's the world we're going into. And the reason I think that is because I've seen that happen with the internet um, and with previous technologies. Like there used to be four TV stations, right? Now there's tens of thousands of TV stations, but we don't really call them TV stations because it's really just independent programming whenever you want it. Um, there used to be you know, major newspapers. Now, they're still there, but they're not as important anymore. There used to be only one airline per country had its flag on the tail, just like the currency is today. Now, if you told someone the only uh, airline that can fly out to France is Air France, they'd be like, no, that, that, that's ridiculous. Why would you do that? Um, so the idea that the only money you could use in France is the French money is also ridiculous. We just haven't quite seen that yet. Um, the world is going to get more complicated, more nuanced, um, but that also means more democratic, more open, 
more accessible to a lot more people because governments have abused their ability to control money um, consistently, uh, as they do with many powers. So in, in the end, that happens at the expense of people who end up having to jump through all of these hoops simply to gain access to the main engine of economic activity and to essentially feed their family, uh, protect their future. Um, if you if you create opportunities for that to happen without the interference uh, through private means, through online systems that are open to everyone anywhere, that creates a very interesting future, an initially very messy and confusing future, but ultimately, in my opinion, one that has much more choice. Andreas was able to paint you a pretty good picture of what the digital currency of the future will look like, right? Some of the things that he left out was that China is also working on their own digital currency right now as they currently speak. They're in the testing phase. They have also worked with SWIFT, that is the payment network of choice when it comes to global payments. And as you know, right now, the US dollar currently works with SWIFT and that's how we keep a lot of countries in line when we uh, leave them off of the dollar standard. We also have very big conglomerates in the financial space like BlackRock and Fidelity also allocating into Bitcoin as we speak. We have very big corporations like Tesla, Square, and MicroStrategy buying Bitcoin in their treasury. And so this is just the start of a very big fourth turn that is happening for Bitcoin and its allocation into the institutional space. But one of the things that really should catch everybody's interest, but isn't really, is the fact that retail adoption has been here all along. That's right. People like yourself have been buying Bitcoin for the longest time. That's right. Since its inception over nearly a decade ago. Now, we have always transacted with one another globally, decentralized, but we have never been able to transact, let's say, on the debit card or on the Visa network or on the MasterCard network. But here recently, PayPal, Square, and even Venmo are starting to accept Bitcoin and take transactions with Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies on their network that are going to hopefully get rolled out later this year. So what we're seeing here, ladies and gentlemen, is an adoption curve that's happening very, very fast. Now, if you would have told me this three, four years ago that this was going to happen, I would not have believed you. <laughs> because at that time, three, four years ago, I would not have believed that Visa or some of these bigger conglomerates like Fidelity or even 
BlackRock, for that matter, one of the biggest conglomerates in the entire world worth trillions, would ever look to Bitcoin, right? And that's what's happening at a very fast click. And the reason it's happening is because the United States dollar is printing trillions of dollars in stimulus because of what happened in March of last year because of COVID. Now, if you weren't paying attention or lived underneath a rock at that time, well, the markets collapsed and the Fed had to step in and print trillions of dollars on their balance sheet to fund relief efforts because of COVID and because of the you know, jobs that were lost and companies that were destroyed and small businesses that were destroyed as well, too. Now, this happened globally, and so therefore dollars had to be printed to take care of that because the United States dollar is the reserve currency of the world. Now, in doing that, that inflated what used to be a 2% inflation of the United States dollar per year. But now, according to Jerome Powell, he's the Federal Reserve Chairman, he has it above 4% for the first time in nearly, I want to say over, well, I think it's the first time in history, as a matter of fact. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, what we are sitting on are unprecedented times. And we are sitting on a tremendous amount of debt. And 40% of the money that has been printed in on that, on that debt balance sheet, 40% of it has been printed in the past 24 months. That's astounding. And so it's no wonder that people and financial conglomerates that are worth trillions are now looking at Bitcoin. Now, you don't have to take my word for it because I'm just somebody who is just reporting the information and bringing it to you. Now, there is somebody by the name of Michael Saylor who is a big Bitcoiner in the space. He is the CEO of MicroStrategy. And quite frankly, this guy is a genius. Um, the amount of information that he has been willing to pour over uh, in a, such a short amount of time and the amount of Bitcoin that he's been able to buy in such a short amount of time has um, left a lot of us that have been in the space uh, for a long time just in awe because uh, to, 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 to understand Bitcoin at his level uh, in such a short amount of time takes years. Uh, it really does. Um, and so what you're going to listen to is Michael Saylor answer the question that a lot of you have, and that's risk, right? Since the early days of Bitcoin, there has always been this kind of um, just kind of dark shadow around it. People have always associated it with drugs or kind of money laundering or uh, kind of fear. And, and that's kind of been brought to you by the mainstream media or have been brought to you by, uh, I don't know, I don't know where that's come from, but uh, there's always been that kind of web of lies that's uh, been attached to it. And so this continues even today uh, and even now uh, as, as we, uh, as Bitcoin even gains more adoption and more mainstream appeal, it still happens. And so um, when, when people talk about risk, I, I, I turn and laugh <laughs> because uh, the biggest risk uh, is staying in the dollar uh, these days. And I mean that wholeheartedly. So I'm going to let Michael Saylor explain the risk uh, because he has the clearest explanation for this. And uh, he has invested 
millions of his of his own money and of his own company's money and the future of his company's money into Bitcoin. And if there's somebody who understands risk, uh, quite frankly, it's him. So here, take a listen. I've got another confession to make. sense. Uh, I was asking about the risks from your point well, of view. So if, if you want a list of the risk, the risks, there's a 1% black swan, unknown, unknown risk that no rational person could discount because we can't know the unknown. So it's a new thing, 12 years old. So there is a black swan risk and uh, you have to take that into account. I think it's highly likely you're going to see a regulatory FUD every quarter for the next 10 years oh, I heard this country was, you know, the Niger- the Venezuelans are going to ban it. The Chinese did this. The Russians did that. They might tax it differently. You're going to hear that uh, going on. And you're going to get uh, other asset class risk um, and FUD. The uh, people that are invested in gold are threatened. People that are invested in other cryptos are threatened. People that are invested in what, what happens you know, when this thing gets to $10 trillion, it's going to be more threatening. When it gets to $20 trillion, it'll be more threatening. When it gets to $50 trillion, it'll be more threatening. It, it, it should logically, reasonably demonetize all the bond indexes, all the stock indexes, all the cash, and all the gold. And if it demonetizes all those things, then you're going to get FUD and political pushback Maybe more than FUD, right? Like, it's like if I felt like my, if I own Vanguard 500 mutual fund and I had a trillion dollars in it and I, and all that money was flowing from my Vanguard fund into a a Bitcoin fund, maybe I'm going to push back in some regulatory jurisdiction. I think you should expect that to happen. I think that the good news here is, is that, um, it'll probably get stronger only as the asset class gets bigger by an order of magnitude. So, you know, by the way, I've been worrying, I fall in the category of a guy that when Amazon stock was like $800 and Jeff Bezos was at war with Donald Trump, I was worried. Oh my God, Jeff Bezos bought the Washington Post as a war with Donald Trump. Is it time to sell Amazon? You know how that story ended up, right? I mean, (laughs) I mean, Amazon's at 3,200 and and Jeff Bezos was at war with Donald Trump and Washington Post was at war with Donald Trump. And it would have been a big mistake. You know, by the way, last I checked, Jack Dorsey was at war with the president of the United States. So we know how that turned out. Right. And so 
Yeah, uh, there's going to be regulatory FUD and pushback and volatility. And the, and the more successful it is, the more pushback there will be. And you can't discount the fact that there could be a black swan. And I can't tell you what it is because I don't know. But here's what I can tell you. Take your portfolio and divide it into 10 pieces and then try to invest in 10 different things that all could go to zero or could go up by a factor of 10. Now, I've got one thing, but by the way, 10 years ago, my portfolio would be Apple, Facebook, Amazon, Google, maybe Microsoft, Twitter, cool things. You know, you want to go crazy, try something else. But I could have given you a list of five, 10 things, PayPal, Square, things that could go up by a factor of 10 that could be cut in half. And that's generally my criteria. Will it be cut in half? Will it go by a factor of 10? Buy something that's more than $100 billion or more, you know, in market cap, it's got 100 million users and it's, it's not done yet. Now, fast forward to 2021. I got Bitcoin. That could go up by a factor of 10 or a factor of 100. I can see Bitcoin going to a million. I can see it going to 5 million. Because if it simply replaces all the indexes as a monetary index, money, why shouldn't it go to 100 trillion in, in market cap or something? So I got that. And, you know, and it can go to zero. But I don't think it's going to zero. I think there's a 1% chance of a black swan. I think it's going up or it's chopping around. Now, do I think Apple, Amazon, Facebook, or Google are going to go up by a factor of 10 from this point? Not really. I think they're plus 20%, minus 20%, plus 100. Maybe they'll double. Maybe they'll triple. You make a list of everything you can invest in that could go up by a factor of 10 or 20 or 30, a screaming winner. You can only lose a dollar. You can make $100. And maybe you've got some other things. But, but here's the reason why I think it's a simpler environment today. If, if the Fed and the EU central bank were inflating the money supply 2% a year, the cost of capital is 2%, any company growing more than 2% might create value. When the cost of capital goes to 5%, you need a company growing 15 20% to create value. And that was the situation for a decade. The cost of capital was 5 or 6% in the US and Europe. When the cost of capital goes to 15%, when they're, if they're going to print 15% more broad money supply, if the reserve ratio at a bank is zero, that means every bank can issue infinite loans with no reserves, right? Uh, thinking about this, every bank can issue infinite money, no reserve. Fractional banking is printing money. The central bank is printing money third world developing countries are printing more money. It's the most loose monetary environment in the last, I don't know, in our lifetime, maybe, maybe in our lifetime. I can't remember a time when, when there was more money, more deficits, more money being printed. You own a bank with a dollar and you issue $20 billion of loans. Think about it. You, you printed 20 billion in cash. So, we're in an environment where it looks like for the next five years, the money supply is going to expand by 15%. That means assets are going to go up by 15% if they're scarce. That means you have to buy things that are going to go up faster than that. And that means that the hurdle rate just got 3x higher. And not only is the hurdle getting 3x higher, but 
Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google just had a meteoric run for a decade when it was obvious they were going to have a good run. They're going to have to invent something really cool to go up by another factor of 10. And might they do it? They might. I guess I would say that if you've got 10 things, divide your money 10 ways and bet on the 10 things. If you've got one thing or two things, divide it two ways, right? You, you could do a thing where you're, you could do a thing where you invest, invest 95% of your money in conventional assets and 5% in Bitcoin. And then if Bitcoin goes up by a factor of, of 10, you'll have a, still a decent return. But then you'll be wondering why, why isn't it I'm not a billionaire right now? Because you could have been a billionaire. You put 10 million in and you get a 100x return, you'll make a billion dollars. So you'll be kicking yourself if you didn't do that. Everybody's got to make their own decision. But I, in my life, I never seen something that was such a screaming signal. You've got a 200 to $300 trillion addressable market. You've got a problem. Money is not sound. You've got engineered thermodynamically sound money. You've got a dominant network. Everybody's decided it's a network. It's exploding. The signal that is exploding is it's growing 200% a year every year for 12 years running. That's the signal. If you wait 30 years, your life is over. <laughs> How many years are you going to wait before you actually get on that train? I mean, 15, 20, 25, 30 is done, right? I mean, 30 is a career. So I, I would say that it was highly complicated, risky, and uncertain if you go back a couple of years. It got to be a much easier trade in March of 2020. And every month since March of 2020, it's been de-risks exponentially. And then the need is exploding. talk about a visualization chart that I've been staring at for the past hour. <laughs> it's actually pretty astounding. It's a uh, it's basically called comparing the world's money and markets. Uh, it's a really interesting chart. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But it, it talks about like every market that is created and it shows it in little small units of blocks. And uh, this was created back in, I believe, 2019. And so if, you, if we go to each, each square, it shows like the world silver. And it says the value of all above ground silver stocks, and it's equal to 17 billion. And then right uh, below that is cryptocurrency. And it shows the world's fastest growing asset class is cryptocurrency. Bitcoin, 100 billion, this was in 2019. Uh, Ethereum, 28 billion. The rest is 45 billion. And then it shows the biggest, world's biggest companies. 
807 billion, right? And then it shows the world's richest people uh, all, all together, 1.9 trillion. Then it goes the Fed's balance sheet. Uh, this is well before <laughs> what happened here in COVID. Then it goes the currency, 7.6 trillion. Then it goes to the world's gold, then the stock markets, then the global money supply, then the global debt, then global real estate, then derivatives. And yeah, and, and that's it. So if, if you look just from what happened in 2019 to what's happening now, um, Bitcoin is, is no longer in that second tier. It's, it's now in that fourth tier because uh, Bitcoin has eclipsed to over a trillion uh, dollar market. Um, and by the end of the year, when we get over $100,000 per coin, it would have uh, eclipsed even another tier. So what I'm trying to say, ladies and gentlemen, is um, Bitcoin is going to swallow this whole chart <laughs> in the future. And uh, I know I know it sounds crazy, and I, I get that, uh, because... Uh, when I got into the space in 2015, uh, there was a lot of things that sounded crazy to me. Uh, but the more you stay in this space, the more you realize that uh, Bitcoin becomes inevitable because you see these things and you start realizing that um, Bitcoin uh, takes you for a loop. And then it does these things that you just didn't realize that it could do. And it happens time and time and time again. And after after probably around the fifth time you see it, you realize that there's nothing that shocks you at that point. Um, so when I say this, um, it's not that I'm being arrogant or 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 or, or being senile. <laughs> it's because uh, it it it's it it's not it's not um, it's inevitable. Um, so yes, uh, when it reaches its fourth tier, when it gets to a million dollars per coin or even 10 million, five, $10 million per coin, um, like sailor was saying, um, it re when it reaches, you know, over when it reaches well above gold's, um, trillion dollar market, 7.7 .7 trillion dollar market. Uh, even when it eclipses the world stock markets or the equities markets, uh, $73 trillion market, it wouldn't surprise me. Right. Because this is what Bitcoin does. Uh, it's a black hole for a lot of what's going on monetary-wise. And so you see this happen time and time again. The longer you stay in this Bitcoin space, you see it happen time and time again. And so I just wanted to share that with you to kind of give you that uh, insight into how I look at it these days. So the last clip I want to play for y'all is, is somebody by the name of Jack Mahler. Now he is building on this kind of second layer of Bitcoin. The second layer is where we're going to be transacting Satoshis on. This is why it's so important to be stacking sats. This is what we call it in the Bitcoin space, stacking sats, right? So right now you can currently get, um, I think it was 1,959 sats per dollar. Right. So in the future, you're going to be able to pay, you're going to be able to use, I should say, these sats here in a restaurant, you know, 
at any retailer and pay using Satoshis, right? And right now you can get 1,900 of them for a dollar. And this is going to happen because of guys like Jack Mahler, who you're about to hear. He's creating the second layer. It's going to use the Bitcoin decentralized network. And this is going to allow you to make these transactions with a virtual debit card or with a uh, with a phone app or whatever we use at that time, probably a watch or maybe some Apple glasses or who knows what, right? Um, but we're going to have these Satoshis that you're going to have in, in your phone app. And, and then it's, somebody at the counter is going to be like, it's going to be $20 for that, <laughs> for that double latte. And you're going to be like, oh, cool. It's only going to cost me 200 sats. You're going to go on your phone. You're going to click tap to pay 200 sats. Boom. For that $20 double latte. And just like that, the, the person's going to get their $20 that they want because they want dollars and you're paying in sats. And since you started buying sats over five, six years ago, uh, when they were a <laughs> dollar at 1900 sats, well, guess what? That latte was only <laughs> 25 cents or probably even what? Probably like 30 cents <laughs> for you now. So that's what I'm trying to say. It's people like Jack Mahler who are creating the second layer for the future for people who will be transacting in sats or whatever digital currency like Andreas was talking about in the future. And this is why stacking Satoshis, buying Bitcoin right now with the smallest Bitcoin unit, which is Satoshis, which is one Bitcoin worth 100 million Satoshis. This is why when people say, well, I can't afford a whole Bitcoin car at 50k why would i buy bitcoin well it's because you could be buying satoshis and don't worry you're going to be able to spend those satoshis in the future and if you don't want to spend them that's fine just hold your bitcoin because as time goes on and i'm here to prove it to you as time goes on everything gets cheaper because you have bitcoin <laughs> Believe it or not, the longer you hold your Bitcoin, everything gets cheaper around you. You know, you have Bitcoin, everything gets cheaper around you. Seriously, it does. You know, you have some Bitcoin, all of a sudden you can buy that yacht. <laughs> you know, you have you have that Bitcoin, all of a sudden you can afford that $500,000 house that you couldn't afford five years ago because you have that Bitcoin. That's what I'm trying to say, ladies and gentlemen. Everything becomes cheaper because you have Bitcoin. You can't do that with Dogecoin. <laughs> do you understand what I'm trying to say? It's that simple. It preserves your wealth. It's that simple. Um, uh, I don't know how else to better explain that. Um, it's inevitable. <laughs> so when uh, whether you want to save or whether you want to spend, buying Satoshis right now, which are the smallest Bitcoin unit, right? You know, because you can get 1,962 sats for a dollar now because it went up. Um, you can buy those now and then spend it later or save it later, however you want to do it. But in the future, because of guys like Jack Mahler, you're going to be able to use that on your app and pay 200, 100 Satoshis for that double latte <laughs> if you want. <laughs> or that big screen TV that costs you you know, 2,000 sats, right? 
So take a listen to Jack Mahler as he explains why Bitcoin is so damn important. So I, I, here's the, and this is now becoming a meme, but here's the quote. Everyone that receives and saves in U.S. dollars operates their life at a loss. A normal person, right, that grinds their commute to work, hates what they do, hates their boss, thinks that their friends are treating them unfairly, their wife is mad at them, that everyday grind, you're doing it at a loss. The world around you and things that you care about and work for and sacrifice for are getting more expensive at a 15 to 20% clip. Your life is degrading in front of your eyes and there's nothing you can do about it. Even if you learn to love your boss, got your wife flowers, set your friends straight, got a promotion at your job, it doesn't matter. You'd have to get a 20% promotion every single year to operate your life in profit, to make progress towards your goals of owning a house, putting your kid through education, getting the car you've always dreamed of, going on vacation to where you want. With that being said, I don't know anyone getting a 20% raise year over year, right? So you have to protect and preserve your wealth in something else. That is obvious. What's not so obvious, but that is being learned is Bitcoin is the premier engineered solution for this exact problem. Now with sports and professional athletes, it's even more to the point. You're talking about guys that have a fixed amount of income over a set year. They're not getting a 20% raise year over year. Guys are signing 10-year contracts and getting the same amount every single year. So you're talking about human beings that are sacrificing their health and their body for their families and for their best interest at a loss. The world around them is getting more expensive drastically and they're not being compensated and given raises for that change. And these guys are getting concussions. These guys are losing their legs. These guys are losing their careers in real time and not having the ability to self-sovereignly protect and preserve their wealth. And the other thing is there's always a chip on these guys' shoulders. You think the fucking NFL gives a shit about Russell Okung? If that guy tears his ACL, you think the NFL ever picks up another phone call of his? You think Major League Baseball gives a fuck when you blow your shoulder out and need Tommy John surgery? You think the NBA cares at all if you tear your ACL? If Stephen Curry tears his ACL, they're never going to give him a, a, a raise, a bonus, complete his contract. He's done. Sure. One of the greatest shooters ever. Doesn't matter. Goodbye. Who's next? And so these guys are committing human energy into the world at a great scale, changing America, entertaining us all, sacrificing their bodies to do so. They need a way to protect and preserve their wealth. And give me a fucking break with that bullshit. Oh, well, they should do real estate. They should give it to an asset manager. No, 
this guy's going to want to cut. This guy wants to cut. Real estate agent's going to take 20% off the top. Get the fuck out of here. You guys can't dunk from the free throw line. You can't throw a football 50 yards. Get the fuck out of here. How about he gets his direct deposit and he stacks sats to cold storage to his own custody? No one takes a fee for shit. That's absolutely taking the energy that you project into America as a professional athlete and saving it and channeling it and protecting it. And that's what that's all about. And so all these big corporate organizations that prey on the bodies of these individuals and all of these asset managers and these real estate agents and these club promoters that chip at percentages in an effort to protect their wealth. Well, we don't need you anymore. We can stack sats to our cold storage and protect our wealth ourselves, And that's what that's about. Rant over. piece of feedback I get all the time whenever talking about this stuff to, to regular people is, well, Bitcoin is a bubble, right? You always hear that. Bitcoin is a bubble. It's going to go down. It goes up and down all the time, right? You even have people with Nobel Prizes <laughs> and some winning economists out there saying, well, th- there's just, there's no, th- Bitcoin makes no sense. Uh, it does. It, it's there's no there's no uh, there's no way we can we can categorize it. It's unheard of. It, it, we we can only understand it. Well, well, quite frankly, it's because you're taught from a uh, a place that teaches you how to look at the economy from which people who control the current economy want to keep it just like it is. So no wonder you don't understand it right? That would make sense. How can you learn something from the people that are keeping you from learning something that you can't unlearn? (laughs) So you have to take a different approach to it. You have to learn from people outside of that box. This is why people of the mainstream pedigree don't get this. This is why I had to start outside of that box, outside of the norm. This is why Bitcoin has won, right? This is why even today, um, more people like myself and other people in the Bitcoin space know more about Bitcoin than institutional investors. (laughs) And that's the honest truth, right? We just know more about this space and how it works and how it functions. And we know the seasons of it and we know the markets of it better than they do. And uh, they don't want to admit that and they can admit that. And quite frankly, I don't blame them, right? But when it comes to bubbles, Bitcoin is not a bubble. Uh, and quite frankly, it moves at a 10-minute pace. Every 10 minutes, more Bitcoin get created. This happens every four years. If you want to learn more about how Bitcoin works as a protocol, BitcoinAudiobook.com. We have everything there, right? Macroeconomics of Bitcoin, why Bitcoin matters, everything. Literally everything. So... 
Bitcoin is on a bubble. Yes, it'll go down. But yes, it'll go right back up. <laughs> and then one of the things that I want to share with you is my own kind of, I guess, I don't know, my own beliefs in it, right? I really think Bitcoin is going to be the reserve currency of the world. I don't find that far-fetched. I have been in this space long enough to realize that when you get in, you realize, okay, let's let's look at these other currencies. And then you quickly realize that over time, Bitcoin just steals all of their momentum. And it happens naturally. Bitcoin is that vampire that sucks out all that monetary weight that's out there. And not only in its own class of assets, but even outside of its assets. And it's it's going after silver right now. <laughs> and it's going to eat up that whole asset class, right? It's going to pass it this year, right? Once we get past 100K. So it's it's not going to be too far away before Bitcoin becomes reserve currency of the world. And, and I really believe that if you stack sats and in the, in the hundreds of thousands right now, and that's what I'm doing, that you'll be able to use those hundreds of thousands of sats in this Bitcoin standard future, which will become the Satoshi standard future for your everyday use, if you so choose to, right? And you'll be able to spend those Satoshis on a daily basis. So when you are stacking in the hundreds of thousands of Satoshis, well, you know, maybe five, six, seven, eight years from now, you'll be able to spend those Satoshis like you do your digital dollars today. And quite frankly, you're going to be better off for it. Now, I know it might be hard to believe this stuff. And I understand that. I, I get it, right? Uh, you know, when I came into Bitcoin, it was right around $250 per coin. You know, to me back then, $250 was, I guess, kind of a lot of money. But if you would have told me at that time, all I needed to buy was 20 of these, 20 of these Bitcoin, and I'd be a millionaire in five years, I wouldn't have believed you. I just wouldn't have. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you'd have told me to buy 20 Bitcoins at $250 a piece, I wouldn't have believed you that I would have been a millionaire in five years. But the reality is, that's exactly what would have happened. So what I'm trying to say now is stack Satoshis. You'll be better off for it. And the honest truth is it's going to preserve your wealth at the very least. So while the dollar is going down 5, 6, 7, 20, 40, who knows what percent <laughs> it's going to go down every year, right? I think Sailor was saying it was 20% every year going forward. So as it goes down 20% every year, the dollar, um, Bitcoin will increase in price. So at, at the very least, it's, it's going to preserve your wealth, right? So take that 20% from your yearly salary and put it in Bitcoin at the very least to preserve your wealth. So that way you have something and you're not deteriorating your cash flow. So, okay, that's all I got.
And I should also mention, if, if you're one of those people that, you know, want to stay ahead of, of everything that's going on in the Bitcoin space, but not sure how to do it, not sure where to go, sign up to throw the premium. This is what we do here. You know, we release on a weekly basis. We've been covering the space for four years. We go to all the conferences. You know, we used to interview some of the biggest people in the space, but we stopped doing that because we wanted to keep an independent, honest approach to everything. Provide careful insights, analysis. We conduct all the research on the latest developments in the Bitcoin and crypto industry, and we really do around-the-clock coverage when it comes to all the conferences around the globe, especially all the big ones, the ones that matter, right? And we gather all this information and we package it in a podcast to keep you ahead of the curve on all your investments. At seven bucks a month, it's a no-brainer. And if you don't want to do that, we offer a free Bitcoin monthly newsletter for free. So. What are you waiting for? Sign up. See you next time.